2: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: At the end of the show, I'm going to tell you one thing that I don't want to see Sunday um, in Dallas. But I also want to remind everybody that Jerry Jones essentially – was instrumental in Dan selling the team. Because once Jerry turned on Dan, uh, it was much easier um, for uh, everybody else to jump on board. And I know you would look at Ursay and say, well, that was the first big bomb dropped. But Jarrah was always there to protect Dan and eventually he didn't. Uh, And so uh, once he lost one of the only friends he had in the league, it was time to sell the team, but I'll tell you in the final segment of the show today something that I do not want to see on Sunday, and it has something to do with the rivalry. Uh, ben Standing is with us as he is every Monday and Friday. Uh, join Ben on Twitter at Ben Standing on X. Uh, definitely subscribe to the Athletic; it's totally worth it. And Ben's got an outstanding podcast called Standing Room. Only so here's a question that we haven't really talked about this week, and we haven't talked about on the show today. Does anybody give Washington a chance to win the game? I'll start with you, Ben. Is there any chance they win this game Sunday? Um,
1: well, o- only because of the topic I knew you were talking about earlier the rivalry aspect or the just the division aspect. You know, you, you know, this is a, a, a weird segue, but like. People always say Villanova beating Georgetown was the biggest upset in my like, college basketball history. I say no, definitely not because they were conference foes. You don't get afraid of your conference foe. NC State beating Houston, that was different. That was not. That was two unknown teams. So I think division games, you, you do have to do the whole throw out the throw out the book kind of deal. Anything's possible. That said, no, I don't think anybody's really giving them a chance. Um, you know, not only is Washington not good. But it's looking like, you know, guys like John Allen, Kendall Fuller could and may not play on top of everything else that's going on. So I I just don't see how that happens unless Dallas just completely gags this thing.
3: Yeah, they they have – they've made some moves here. They've signed some players, especially some secondary players. Um, I'll ask you this. Uh, is it – and I, I mentioned this earlier in the show. I think there's a chance we're going to see – a lot of unfamiliar jerseys and names on the back of them on Sunday uh, when the team takes the field. do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, look it, let's be realistic. anybody who is a free agent, which is a lot of the players, you know you got to make a business decision at some point. The season is what it is. um you know if you're if you're a pending free agent, that means the team has not aggressively sought to retain you and obviously you play for the team, you play for your guys. I totally get all that, but yeah, I would imagine there'll be people out there or not out there this week. I mean, even last week, right? You know, without Fuller, without St. Juice, there were a lot of randoms playing uh, cornerback things like that. So yes, I would imagine there will be more of that. Probably more on defense. I think if you know on offense, um, you know, I'm expecting like, Terry McCorn to be out there. Jahan Dotson, probably.
3: Well, they're I, trying to get I, Terry to a thousand yards, right?
1: Yes, there, there is that for sure. Um but yeah even then right if you told me he gets a 1000 yards and they get into the second half and all of a sudden his his snap totals drop sure i mean um you know i mean if you're going to go out there i think you play to win if you're the players but at the same point you know what what are we talking about all right
3: um i think this is an important question i don't know if you feel the same way but who's the backup quarterback sunday to sam hal
1: I love that you've continued to ask me this all week um I'm going to assume it's Jake Fromm. I don't know that. I did ask Rivera on Wednesday when we spoke to him last. He said they hadn't made a decision yet. Uh, We'll talk to Rivera in a little bit here today. I don't know necessarily that it was likely his final press conference. That uh, question comes up, but I'm going to guess it would be Jake Fromm, just for the hey, what if something happens to Sam Howe part? You know, going to Brissett, as we've seen, Brissett coming off the bench has been very effective. So uh, I don't know that that would be if Josh Harris and them are weighing in that that would be the way to go. So I would guess from, but we don't know that.
3: Do you think they've weighed in on this ownership?
0: Um,
1: I I, I guess only if if the Rivera plan differed from what their logic would be. You know, we go back to the Montes Sweat trade. I think if if cap if it was up to purely just a rod, I think Montes Sweat is still here. I, I mean, you know, I don't think at, at that point was that week eight going to week nine that Rivera was like saying, hey, this season's over. And uh, But when you make that trade, you are building towards the future. It is not about the present. on top of Chase Young as well. So my point would be whatever conversations are happening, whatever they're saying, it's kumbaya, everybody's on the same page. I, I just don't know if I completely buy that. So my point, if they're, if they're weighing
3: in on that, I could imagine them at least saying, hey,
1: so what are we doing here, quarterback? Oh, okay. Cool. Cool.
3: Cool. Let's make it sure. Thanks. Yeah, but what wouldn't be cool is if Jacoby Brissett's the backup quarterback. Right. Yeah. No, no I'm, 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 I'm being to... serious here. We we have we we he's quarterback five real drives because the sixth drive in the game against the Jets was a hand the ball off three times to make the Jets burn their timeouts. It wasn't a real attempt to score. So he's five for five on real drives ending in touchdowns, not field goals. Touchdowns. And so we've seen him bring a team back from 28 7 to 28 20 with a chance. And we saw it down 27 7, him take the team back to a lead against lesser competition, certainly the Jets. But the Rams had to win that game, and he had them, you know, reeling a little bit. It would be totally on Josh Harrison ownership for the first time for me if Jacoby Brissett enters that game as the backup quarterback, knowing that they've turned to Jacoby Brissett the last two times he's been a backup quarterback, and there's the prospect, right, with who the hell knows who's going to be out there with Sam Howell on offense, that Sam Howell takes a beating.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Look, I, I'm a firm believer believer in you play all four quarters in terms of how to do the, how to do the job. I don't mean the game. You know, anybody who watched the TV show Breaking Bad remembers the conversation about uh, half measures. Uh, you can't do half measures on these things, and I think, unfortunately, when you look at a lot of the transactions and choices that were made over the last four years, I think a lot of times things were half measures. I.e., if you're going to get, if you're going to make the deal for Carson Wentz, you better make sure your offensive line is bolstered as best as possible, not just signing two guards two older guards from Carolina that you were familiar with, right? So they've done a half measure way too many times, and I agree with you. If you're going to do this, going to do what they're doing, having Brissett be the two would make no sense. So, sure, to to play it all the way out, it definitely should be Jake Fromm. No argument there.
3: I'm just wondering if the reason we don't have an answer on this is that there's some sort of back-and-forth tussle going on between Ron, who would like to be competitive in this game, and ownership who would like to see and make sure that the one player that could potentially impact it in a major way on offense doesn't see the field?
1: Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I I don't know that I would imagine there's any real tussle. I just think – Well, why don't uh, we have an answer on it at this point? It's uh, a meaningless well, I mean, season-ending game. I don't know. Well, but, I mean, again, he hasn't talked since Wednesday. I did ask. He said – I wouldn't put too – I mean – I wouldn't put too much stock in the things he is saying the last week or two. I mean, he's doing what he
3: can do, but like <laughs> versus you know, the other three and a half and three, three quarters years.
1: Well, I just mean like, you know, I know.
3: It's,
1: you know, I think we all kind of see where things are going. I don't think he's blind to the situation. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, even the Sam Howell thing just making that announcement was odd. It wasn't the usual deal. You know, They, they did it after practice before practice. You know, we're, we're seeing, you know, were there we're, or, you know, during practice, we're seeing, a little bit of what's going on and you know, look, everything has been weird and off and so on. I, I, uh, you know, who knows? I, I, here's the other thing, right? If I'm Jacoby Brissett, I'm resting on what I've done. Only thing I can do now is screw up any notion that I should be a potential starter in this league, having done what you just said. So I don't see why Jacoby Brissett would be even, you know, I don't know if he would go full Heineke like Heineke did last year saying right. play how, but that would logically be the move he should make. For his own sake, like let Brom go. What's the the harm? If he, if if there's a reason to play somebody, let him play. He hasn't played all year. Let him play.
3: Yeah, no, there's no benefit in Jacoby Brissett playing this game. Although, you know, look, it may be as simple as Jacoby Brissett actually is hurt because he was hurt Sunday from what I was told that that was a legitimate injury um, that he was hurting before the game and couldn't go, and maybe he hasn't recovered. But if he has recovered and he's the backup for the game uh, and he ends up entering this game and having an impact on the game in a negative way for their draft selection, I don't put that on Ron. I put that on ownership at that point.
1: Yeah, for for, for for sure. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm you're, with you're you on not,
3: all that. You're not as serious. You're, you're, for whatever reason, this isn't something that is interesting to you. And maybe it's because you know that this isn't going on. There's not a discussion about quarterback, and they'll probably end up having Jake Fromm be the backup. I'm just giving you my feeling that if Jacoby Brissett's the backup here, then ownership did not do their job prior to this final game. Because their job should be they're the only people left that have future interest at stake. Nobody on the field or the sideline – well, the players will, do it obviously. But in terms of the organization's interest moving forward, nobody's got any on that sideline on Sunday.
1: And well, like if, I said, if we, if we believe that a lot of the guys that you're, you just said earlier, we're going to see a lot of journeys out there that we don't know. I know. All these things go hand in hand is all I'm saying. Like, if, if – If that's the case, then that's not a scenario where the plan is to quote quote, unquote do everything we can to win the game. So, in line, it would be logical to think that would include what we're discussing here, the backup quarterback. So, no, I mean, it would be incredibly insane if Jacoby Brissett plays in the game. I'm just sort of like, you know, I don't have any real reason to think anything else. I mean, Ron has been fairly, you know, passive the last few weeks it's not like he's you know he's not standing up here talking anymore about the seasons about the young quarterback or he's not defending too many things he's just you know okay well this is where we're at and based on that i just don't see a guy who's going to fight if somebody says you got to put you got to put jake Fromm in his butt too uh,
3: i would say that josh harris needs to be mike and ron rivera's walt in this conversation of half measures that's what i would say um all right we'll move on from that uh So what are you hearing, if anything, about the chronological order of what happens after the game on Sunday?
1: Yeah, I mean, my assumption based on, you know, what happens in this league and just a little bit I've heard is that, you know, whatever changes are going to be coming would come Monday. And, you know, we could hear from Josh Harris or, you know, as soon as that day or the next day, I don't know where he is. Um, logistically, you know, uh, because he's got a few uh, a few uh, things going on in his world, but you know, I, I don't think this is this is going to drag out in terms of uh, making changes here. In terms of beyond that, that's where it gets more intriguing. You know, teams can begin interviewing general manager candidates in person on Monday. I have no idea that that's going to happen, um, but it could begin quickly because if you if you do want to hire the GM first. Coaches cannot be interviewed in person until the 22nd. I believe they can do Zooms uh, prior to that. But if you want to have the GM weigh in on the coach, well, you got to get moving then, right? You can't just you can't wait for that for three weeks. So so presumably that could start pretty quickly. But, you know, this is what I think What is so intriguing about this. It's not – forget the fact that everybody's thrilled that Dan Snyder is, is gone. For 20 years or so, we've had a feeling – of what was going to happen, what 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 does this organization going to do for better or for worse? It's now completely different. I don't think we have any idea what is going to happen, how they're going to handle things, what how information flow will go out. So that's why this is all completely uh, new and fascinating. But you know, I, I think on Monday I would imagine, like I said, whatever changes they're going to make initially, we'll we'll, we'll hear about it then.
3: Right, so that's the first shoe to drop. But how many shoes drop? Like, is it the entire staff that gets fired on Monday? Like, everybody's obviously wondering about the future for Eric Biennemi in particular.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously some I, – I would assume Biennemi has at least a two-year contract.
3: Right, you know, he's because the one. he just
1: came here last year. So, yep. you know, from that perspective, it may make sense to – anybody who's got a contract beyond this year – you know it arguably makes sense to say, "Let keep them here for the moment, let the new person make those decisions and in the case of the enemy, you know, I don't know that I see him getting a head coaching job based on the track record of not getting them, but if he were Washington would get uh, a a draft pick based on the way that the league has set things up for the hiring of minority candidates, so based on that, I mean, I would wait and see, and then you know I mean unless there's some conversation with him about letting him go or whatever. So I I don't necessarily know that everybody who's going to ultimately not be here next year goes away Monday or Tuesday or or even particularly quickly. Um, But we'll see. And the front office is even a little bit more confusing because with with draft preparations ongoing, you know, they've been scouting for months and all that, typically, particularly with the scouts, but sometimes with the executives, you know, they hold firm on the group in place, get through the drafts, and then change things out. So it's possible some of the names that we're all familiar with are still here um, for, you know, even if, until the draft. But, it's you know, if, if they do hire a new GM quickly and that person, um, you know, has the opportunity to, to do some different things, then maybe uh, some of those guys are out as well. But in terms of just Monday, I mean, I don't necessarily know that it's going to be anything beyond the obvious. But it's, you know, Again, this is why it's so interesting with what's going on here because we don't know how they act.
3: I don't know if you have the answer to this, but you brought something up that's very interesting because we know that, you know, the 49ers among a few organizations have really benefited from hiring minority candidates. And those minority candidates then getting hired for higher positions somewhere else and they get compensation for that, so what you described with Eric Bieniemy, if they fired Eric Bieniemy along with Ron Rivera and the entire staff, and Bieniemy went on to be a head coach, which I think is a super long shot, um, uh, you know, I, I, that that would be one of the stunners of the off season. From given that he didn't in his opportunity to be an offensive coordinator, it's not like he lit the world on fire um, offensively this year. But if he were, if they fired him, they wouldn't get compensation back?
1: I don't think so. He's not on the staff anymore. Yeah, right. So
3: So the, the only job he could ascend to at this point for them to get compensation back for him is head coach because he's already an offensive coordinator and an assistant head coach. So that would be the only position he could ascend to. So I was just trying to think as to whether or not if they were planning on moving on from Eric Bieniemy, if it made sense to not give him every advantage of going out there and being available right from the get-go versus holding on to him. You know, holding on to him, the only thing, the only benefit you get back is if he gets a head coaching job. That seems like an, a a massive long shot for this off season, anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, like I said, it's sort of what we were discussing before. This is the half measure versus the full measure. Do you think it's an opportunity for your organization? Even if it's a small chance, it doesn't make sense to keep them. I and mean, I would say, and I'm with you, I don't think it's likely on any level, but what's happened over the last few weeks, there's been, the as the Kansas City Chiefs continue to struggle, one thing you know people are talking about is more of, well, you know what? One thing they do miss is like they had the they had the enforcer before in the enemy, and now they don't. Is that a right. into this? I don't know. Who's to say? Yeah. I can't say enough. But but other people may look at that and say, hey, boy, the Chiefs really have come down. Maybe there is something to that. And then you know, to whatever degree you assign credit to the enemy for what Brissett has done, like he's given the offense a control group versus the Sam Howell experiment. This is what it can look like. I mean, obviously to the extreme uh, with what Brissett was doing, but you know. Maybe it isn't. You know, they had a young quarterback. Blah blah blah. So again, I'm with you. I, I don't know what percentage. I, I mean, would that lay might lead to another
3: opportunity with the Chiefs or another opportunity to be an OC. I just sure, don't sure. see the head coach piece.
1: No, I I I, I I agree. I mean, I don't I don't see it. Um, you know, I included him in my list of potential head coaching candidates for my last story, but I did it to be honest for all the people are going to say to me, why aren't you including the enemy? Like I, I laid it out basically, like, I don't really see it, but here and here's sort of why, rather than not putting them on the list. And then people going why don't you have the enemy on there? So I just sort of explained why he, okay, he's here, but I don't know if I really um, actually buy this. So, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, I think almost, almost everybody that we've talked about, you know, you know on the depth and the hierarchy depth chart below Ron, you know, I, I would imagine most of those people will not be back, if not you know, almost all of them.
3: We're talking to Ben Standing, of course. Don't you think the enemy conversation is interesting from this perspective? Like on one hand, there's a lot of mystery about him. But then on the other hand, based on what we know, there really isn't any mystery. Only one team wanted to hire him last year. And the offense wasn't very good in his first year of having total control over, the, uh, over an offense. And if you want to go with, well, that's because they were developing a, a young quarterback. The quarterback didn't develop. He regressed. So there's really not much of a mystery there. And yet it gets treated very much as if it's, you know, this intriguing thing. I don't know. Uh, to me, it's like they Washington's the only team that offered him a job. If not, he would have gone back to Kansas City and not been the offensive coordinator. And then on top of that, he gets this opportunity, which was great, and he didn't succeed in it. Uh, is there any yeah. way you could describe Eric Bieniemy's first season with total autonomy as an offensive coordinator, assistant head coach, as a success?
1: Um, no, not really. I mean, you know, there was obviously when Hal was trending more positively, I guess you could have uh, uh, assigned some some more credit to enemy there. But ultimately, um, no. I mean, look, the, the Biennium conversation is complicated because it involves social issues that go beyond just X's and O's and things like that. But I think he's been viewed as, look, obviously there's not enough, <clears throat> the, 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 the league is light with minority coaches and GMs and all that and totally should be better. But by assigning Eric Bieniemy as the face of this thing, it kind of ignores Demeco Ryan's is uh, with Houston, and they're one game away from making the playoffs as a as first year head coach. It's possible. It just,
3: just it it's, ignores it's, it's, it's Todd Bowles interviewing ten candidates, several of whom were minorities, to fill the offensive candidate uh, offensive coordinator of void filled by the firing of Byron Leftwich, and he didn't even interview Eric Bieniemy. I, you're right. right. No. There's a lot there's a lot of stuff that is that deals with race in the conversation about Eric Bieniemy, but that's why I get to is it he nobody wanted him except for one team and the first chance he's gotten it's not been a success. Anybody that would look at Eric Bieniemy's first year as an offensive coordinator and say, "Wow, he should be a head coach." is blind.
1: Yeah, I, no, I mean, I, again, I think a lot of the conversation is just what people were saying by rote. They've ignored the fact that maybe right. he just isn't a good candidate. I mean, six, half the league has interviewed him and decided not for us. But like you said, other people, have, other hires have been made. And, you know, again, they, more, but maybe he's just not that guy in the, in the view of half the league. Um, well, and yeah, that's, and that's, every and that's bit okay, of half that, the league, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, literally half the league, so.
3: Right. Uh, and, and, you know, what's funny is I actually think at times this year, I've come in on Monday and I've said, I liked what he did with Sam Howell yesterday. And then the next week it changes. Last week I actually thought he did a responsible job in the first half, given that Sam was in the fragile state that they had implied he was in. I mean, that was as much of a protective first half as we've seen, now there were only 21 snaps, but running the football in almost every throw was quick game. I mean, I didn't go back and count them, but I think of the um, – uh, it was like tw- uh, 90% of the throws were, were were quick games. So, look, I'm not saying he's not he can't be a football coach or an offensive coordinator, but the idea that he's done enough in the first year as an OC with all this autonomy – to all of a sudden be a no-brainer head coach candidate it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, no, I mean, what else about I, Sunday sticks out to you uh, in this weird kind of game where, you know, I had a bunch of callers say they want Washington to win. Now, I think most of the audience that that listens to the show, and we had a Twitter poll, 88.5% said, no, you got to lose <laughs> to ensure a top-two pick. Um, but what are your thoughts heading into this final game of this wretched season?
1: Yeah, I mean um I, yeah, I heard I heard some of those <laughs> segments and very passionate uh people calling in saying they want Dallas to lose at all costs and I was trying to think of a good analogy. I don't know if this is the best one, but to use another movie analogy or to uh, a movie analogy, um Inglorious Bastards. I assume you've seen that one.
3: About 30 times. My f- yeah, probably right. number 2 behind Pulp Fiction on his movie list. Right. Exactly. Go ahead. Yeah, same.
1: So th- there's the tavern scene in which there are um, – where there's this German officer who recognizes that somebody posing as a German officer is a, is a fake. And he makes the decision to call it out, even though it's going to lead to his own death. He could have kept it to himself. He could have waited for a better opportunity to confront, arrest, whatever. But he purposely did it because I guess he loathed the situation so much that he decided it was worth it. For for himself to die, that is insane. <laughs> it's great for the movie, but it's insane. In other words, why would you care about Dallas losing if it hurts your cause? Why you want to you want to take off one of their limbs? Fine. Don't do don't don't take off your own in the in the same. I mean, no matter what happens, Dallas is going to the playoffs. You you stink. <laughs> why would you do anything to, to change that? And in terms of like you know the quarterback and oh, you never know. Well, of course, you never know. We're literally asking people to evaluate other human beings and determine how they're going to progress and grow. Get out of here. That is an impossible job. Um, it, you do the best you can, but that, that is hard. Also, it's, as you said at the earlier, it is not about the quarterback specifically. It is about the opportunity. If they have the number two pick and trade it down and get a whole bunch of stuff because they have a whole bunch of holes, look, obviously it's a risk that you're passing on possibly getting a great quarterback, but, you know, maybe they don't love them. And maybe they think, hey, we're better off trading down a few picks, taking an offensive tackle, then getting, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, however many picks else they get and using these things going forward. You know, part of the what, what people never understood, I don't think enough people have about the process that Josh Harris did with the Sixers, it wasn't taking to get the number one pick. It was maximizing every opportunity you can to get as many draft of picks course. as possible because That's you right. recognize that this is an inexact science and you're going to blow it. And the Sixers blew a lot of their picks. They also got Joel Embiid, who's arguably the best player in the league. And they've been a 50-win team for the last like five years. They absolutely worked. And this is what, and in this sport where you need 22 starters, g- getting as many bites at the apple is even more imperative, I would say. Right. Um, but, you know, anyway, so, yes, I think to this degree, if you want to root for Dallas to lose, you do you. But if you really care what that's for this organization, I do not remotely see how you think that's the best
3: way to go. How smoke show was Diane Kruger in that movie and in that scene in particular? Um, big fan uh, of her and that scene in that entire movie. Brad Pitt coming down the steps in the conversation is priceless. By the way, I would just say, because I opened the show this morning with Jokic's shot last night, um, he's better than Embiid. He's the best player in the league. Yes, he is. I mean, you know, i
1: uh yes, I mean, I, I yeah, Jokic is ridiculous. Um, but I'm just saying, you have, you know, as Wizards fans know, if you don't have, Something like that, as good as like a John Wall or Bradley B. award, that's not the same thing as having one of the five best players in the league, um, and that's in that league in that sport that matters. The Sixers got one, that's why they're a contender for several years in a row now. Um, but yeah, right. I, if we're gonna have that debate, sure. Uh, I, like I saw your 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 question earlier, like who is the who are the athletes today that are like sort of must see TV? Yeah, I mean Jokic, Curry, and Wemba and Yama in the NBA are the ones for me that if I had the opportunity to watch.
3: I think I'm Anthony Edwards is way up on my list now. Um, Sure. I mean, sure. But you're right about Curry. We didn't mention Curry. Curry is still must watch. Um, but, yeah. But who else did you have? Sorry.
1: No, no, Those, those were – if we're just talking NBA, those are the three. I yeah. saw you had Caitlin Clark. I think that's absolutely 100% accurate right now. Um you know, NFL. I think you guys said Lamar, Archer, sure, Tyreek Hill. I think, you know, watching them when they played when Miami played here, it was hard to just not watch what he was doing on every single play. And we saw right. that game why. Um, and obviously, when Mahomes is right, him, but like it's been a little bit different this year.
3: It really has been. And I think, I, did I mention Miles Garrett? Like every time the Browns are on, it's hard not to watch Miles Garrett and the attention he gets. I don't know if anybody gets game planned more in the league for than Miles Garrett does. Maybe Aaron Donald still. Um, but I think it's Garrett if you watch the way the teams fear him. Uh I mean, and at times there are two and then a chipper. Like it's three people trying to to keep him from getting to the quarterback. Um anyway. All right. Uh well, and, well and, the and next time we yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and
1: like, to the point, just to go back to this team, You know, for all the talk of the four defensive linemen, at least here, I know Montez Sweat seems like he's gone to another level with Chicago, but at least here, that's the rub. That as good as they were and as much they invested, none of those guys justified that kind of game planning approach from another team. No. And that's the difference between being really good and being great. And they had four guys, and unfortunately, none of them have have shown that.
3: You know that's so fair. You know, um, you know. After, I mean, I I thought last year um, I really thought Duran had a chance to become that as an interior D de- tackle, even more than John in many ways. You know, a guy that could really become a consistent game record, but he didn't this year. By the way, a friend of mine just said, "No way is Miles Garrett game planned more than T.J. Watt is." I don't know. I bet it's pretty close. I. And, and actually, I still I still think Aaron Donald is probably the biggest threat to an offensive coordinator in terms of a defensive player of any in the league. Um, yeah. But there are well, some I think choices. Parsons is in that mix as well. Parsons is in the mix. Yeah, but you see a lot of teams run at him, which is interesting. All right, uh, you want to give us your final, final score prediction of the year?
1: Oh boy. I think I, th- I can see another first half somewhat like last week where you're like, Oh boy, where is this going? Kind of like, it should be, it shouldn't be this close, but ultimately, <laughs> you know, Dallas somewhere in the neighborhood of like, you know, 20, you know, what was last week? twenty seven ten. I mean, something along those lines, um, I think could be in play. And then, you know, then we go from there.
3: If I, and I, in, in talking to Tommy on my podcast yesterday, like Dallas is a team that I could definitely see choking in a big way if it were close going into the fourth quarter. You know, I could see McCarthy doing something stupid with the clock, them committing dumb penalties, Dak throwing a pick. The 49ers, I never felt like that they could choke it away. It, it, this could f- if if this game were close going into the fourth quarter, that and and Sam was playing well, we better see Nate Sudfeld a.k.a. Jake Fromm warming up on the sideline. Uh, All right, good job. I'll talk to you Monday. It'll be interesting.
1: Uh, Very
3: much so, man. Talk soon. All right, Ben Standing, everybody. Smell test, final one for the regular season, next.
2: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai.